If you've been here the past few weeks, then you know that the prophetic word that God gave Soma Church for 2021, every year we ask God to give us a word or a theme to, to propel us into the year, to keep us focused. And that word for 2021 is rise up. Rise up. And overall, what that means is God is wanting us to rise up in the power of his resurrection in any and every area of our life, to rise up in the power of his resurrection. Last week, I taught a message called Rise Up in Freedom. And we talked about the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus because of his work on the cross. This morning, I want to continue with that theme, freedom. But I want to share a message with you called Rise Up on the Inside. So write that down. That's the title of the message this morning, Rise Up on the Inside. And I always like to give what I call a sermon in a sentence. One sentence that you can take away. If you forget everything else, if I get off course or you fall asleep, at least you got this and you can go home with that, okay? You can even tattoo it on your body somewhere if you feel like it. You may not want to do that for mine this morning because it's a little weird and you're going to laugh. Satan will steal your pie if you don't deal with your pain. It's going to make more sense as we move forward. But he will. Satan will steal your pie if you don't deal with your pain. Last week, I, I led with Romans chapter 7, verse 24, where the apostle Paul says, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? If you'll remember, we defined the body of this death as sin and death. He goes on in Romans 8, the next chapter, which there were no chapters back then. So it's just a continuation of the letter. He says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For, the, uh, for Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set you free from the law of sin and death. Jesus won the victory over sin at the cross. And he, he won the victory over death when he rose from the grave. Every person that believes and embraces that truth will never be the same. That's what Jesus said. He says, you will know the truth. You will be intimately acquainted with the truth and it will set you free. And he goes on, he says, and if the son has set you free, you really are free. But I want you, underst I want you to understand that the devil ruthlessly is trying to pull you back into chains. He's working ruthlessly to make you a prisoner again, to put you and keep you in bondage. That's why the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 5, 1, it is for freedom. It's for freedom that Christ set you free. Like that's Jesus' vision for your life is to be free. And he didn't go through all the effort of freeing us just to see us back in bondage. Again, wouldn't you agree? It is for freedom that Christ set you free. Stand firm then and do not be encumbered once more by a yoke of slavery. Paul's saying it is possible for us to be lured back into our old way of living. Ephesians 6 
Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. There it is again. We're saved. We're saved. But we have to stand firm because the enemy is after us. He is. The enemy is after us. I don't know if you've ever asked this question, but like, what is the enemy even after? Like, what's he doing? What's he all riled up about? What's he after? Is he after our salvation? It's a good question. Let's let the scriptures answer that. It's on the screen, but let's look at Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 13. When we were dead, when you were dead in your transgressions, everyone say really quick, say transgressions. Transgressions. Hey, that was good. I don't know how I'm also hearing it on this side of the room, but I am. So cool. You guys are awesome. You were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled the debt ascribed to us in the decrees that stood against us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Okay, so check it out. The debt of transgression, the debt of sin, the debt of transgression incurred by Adam and Eve, right? And passed on to all mankind has been paid. That debt has been paid. Isaiah 44, 22, God says, I have blotted out your transgressions. Your translation may say wiped out or wiped away. I have wiped away your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me for I have redeemed you. That word redeem means to buy back. He has bought us back. The debt has been paid. This is what Jesus did on the cross. First Peter 1.19 in the uh, amplified version says, but you were actually purchased with precious blood like that of a sacrificial lamb, unblemished and spotless, the precious blood of Christ. Jesus paid our debt. And check it out. He nailed the receipt to the cross, <laughs> right? And when he did, Psalm 103 says that he removed our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. And guess what? Not only does he remove them, he forgets them. Isaiah 43, 25. I, this is God saying, I, yes, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. You got to get this. Our transgressions, everybody look at me. Our transgressions are forgiven and forgotten. This is huge. So to answer that question, no, Satan is not after our salvation, but he is after the joy of God's salvation in our lives. Psalm 51 verse 12. This is King David talking. He says, restore unto me the joy of of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. King David had, had gotten in a very bad place, very dark place. And it happens, doesn't it? And it can happen quickly. 
before we know it, we look up one day and we're like, how did I get here? This isn't on the screen, but Acts chapter 20, verse 28, the apostle Paul's given kind of a fire, uh, final farewell to um, the leaders at the church of Ephesus. And he says, keep watch over yourselves. Check this out. Keep watch over yourselves and the entire flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church, which he purchased with his blood. Notice that in the same sentence, Paul talks about how we were purchased by the blood of the lamb, but that we also need to be watchful in the same sentence, right? Why is that? John chapter 10, 10, we're not going to read this whole section, but in John chapter 10, Jesus is actually using sheep and shepherd uh, language and, and how wolves and thieves will come in and try to take from the flock. In the middle of that section, Jesus says, John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and life to the full. This tells us two things. One, Jesus' vision for our lives is that in every area, we are whole. We are whole. Picture a pie. You're like, oh, I see where you're going with that. <laughs> Think of a pie. My mother-in-law can cook a pie. Do you cook a pie or do you bake a pie? Whatever. <laughs> she can make it happen. She can cook a pecan pie, apple pie, cherry pie, chocolate pie. She can do a chicken pot pie. <laughs> and she taught my wife, man, they can make a pie. I think my stomach just growled. The church has been on a 21-day fast. How many of y'all broke your fast on Friday? Some of y'all still fasting? Did you break yours? I broke mine. My wife made me some oatmeal with a little honey, some blueberries, pecans. I mixed it up and took a bite. I was like, oh, a tear came to my eye. I was like, this is good. I ate the whole thing, and then I was like, whoa. <laughs> When my mother-in-law or my wife make a pie, there's only one thing that's going through my head. I want the whole thing. And I can eat the whole thing too. I promise you that. Don't you think that's exactly what Jesus wants for us? He wants us to have the whole pie. He said, I, I came to give you life. Not just life, life to the full. Not just part of the pie. I want you to have the whole thing. Another thing that we learn from this John 10, 10 thing is that if we are not living a healthy and, and full life, we're being robbed. Now listen to what I'm saying. If any sliver of that pie is consistently missing, we're, we're being robbed. Let me say it this way. Any slice of the pie that Satan can steal, he will. Remember Galatians 5.1, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then and do not be encumbered once more by a yoke of slavery. The enemy has the ability to take from our lives. How does he do it? Well, Paul tells us right there with that word encumbered. If you look it up in the original language, here's what it means. To have within, to hold in, 
this, this thing on the inside. It can even mean to hold a grudge. And of course, that word yoke is it metaphorically means burdens and bondage. One word to say all that gives you a whole different definition. Remember how we said our transgressions are forgiven and forgotten? Remember Isaiah 43? He blots out our transgressions, remembers our sins no more. What an amazing truth, right? That's big time. Like God doesn't remember any of that stuff. Isn't that cool? But we do. Don't we? Did you guys know that God doesn't give us holy amnesia when we get saved? He doesn't. We still remember the things we've done in life and the things done to us. And though our spirit has been saved, our soul is still being saved. I believe that there are three parts to every human body, soul, and spirit. If you're a born again believer in Jesus, then your spirit is saved. It's what we call salvation. Your soul is being saved. The theological term for that would be sanctification. And our body will be saved. Scripture tells us that we will receive a new body after, after we die and we're with the Lord. We'll be with him in glory, right? Theologically, we call that glorification, salvation, sanctification, glorification. We're going to talk more about that in our freedom class that we have coming up in March. And you can see the registration link up on the screen if, if, if you are interested in learning more about walking in freedom in your relationship with Christ. You can sign up Wednesday nights in March in this room. I expect it to be packed. Hopefully it will. We're going to be talking more about it. But bottom line, we've been saved. We've been redeemed. Our spirit is alive forevermore, right? And when we die, we will Go and be with him in glory. But in the meantime, church, listen to me. In the meantime, we're told to work out our salvation. Philippians chapter 2. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Once we're born again, once our spirit is saved, we spend the rest of our lives learning to sanctify that soulish part of who we are. Our minds, our heart. Right? Those inward places. That's why Paul says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't conform to that anymore, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. For 19 years, my heart and my mind were conditioned to exist a certain way. Some of that conditioning came from how I was raised. Some of that condition came from the way I chose to live. Some of that conditioning came from culture. You know what I mean? Y'all remember when video killed the radio star? That messed me up. <laughs> All of those things together produce patterns of belief and behavior. Everyone develops patterns in the way that they receive information 
and the way they react to situations. I grew up struggling with rejection and insecurity and acceptance. I also struggled with, with anger, probably better defined as, as rage. And those things didn't immediately go away when I got saved. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They didn't just go away. I had to submit those things to the Holy Spirit. I had to renew my mind. I had to recondition my heart. Now, almost 30 years later, I'm nowhere near the same person I was. Amen? The patterns that we deal with, these areas where we need transformation, or what the Bible calls iniquities. Iniquities. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he, talking about Jesus, this is a messianic prophecy, an Old Testament scripture that points ahead to either the person or work of Jesus, who is the Jewish Messiah. This is a messianic prophecy. And it says, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging... We are healed. Okay, this again, this is another messianic prophecy about what Jesus would do. Really quick, notice that there are two things that Jesus dies for. Our transgressions and our iniquities. And also notice that both, it says that he provides healing or wholeness in both, right? Think of it this way. Transgressions. Here's the way sometimes I'll describe it. Transgressions are the sin of the hand. Okay? The external manifestations. It's the way the sin manifests, manifests itself, shows itself. Okay? Iniquities are the works or the sins of the heart. The internal motivations. Let me say it this way. Transgressions are external manifestations of the internal motivations of our iniquities. And Jesus dealt with both. He died for both of them. He forgives them, but we still have to deal with them, don't we? On a daily basis, we have to work out, we have to walk out this wonderful salvation that we've received. And it's also where we have to watch out because it's where the enemy hangs out. It is for freedom that Christ set you free, but you got to stand firm. Do not be encumbered once more by a yoke of slavery. Again, Paul says that we have to stand firm and guard ourselves. Proverbs 4 says you guard your heart, right? 423, guard your heart. Notice he doesn't say guard your chin, keep your hands up, guard your midsection. No, he says guard your heart. Guard that thing on the inside. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Philippians chapter four, Paul says, trust God with everything and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Remember what we said, that word encumbered there in Galatians five, to have within, to hold on, even to hold a grudge, this thing on the inside, that metaphor of yoke, burdens, bondage. Let me, let me just say this 
as plainly as I can. There are things in our lives that we hold on to, that we hold in, things in our hearts, things in our minds, real burdens based upon real things that have happened in our lives. And that's what the enemy comes to target. And what have we learned? Satan will steal your pie if you don't deal with your pain. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, if you would. Hebrews chapter 12. It's always good to bring your Bible, turn to these pages, hear the pages turn. It's going to be up on the screen, but you might want to jot some things there, make some notes in your own Bible. But in Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you see all those familiar words? Words we've already kind of covered and, and heard um, earlier this morning, earlier in this message, like uh, joy. It says, the joy set before him. The joy, in John 15, 11, Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made full. I love that, made full. It's a process. Freedom is a process. Say that. Freedom is a process. Freedom is a process. Now in an Australian accent, freedom is a process. I don't know. That wasn't right. Freedom is a process. Listen, Satan targets our pain because it robs us of joy. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's actually familiar. How is it familiar? Well, think about it. You don't just buy a book. Well, some people just buy books. But generally, you buy a book to read the book, right? Jesus authored, 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 authored. He wrote our salvation. Amen? And his Holy Spirit helps us to work it out every day until it's completed, until we hear the words, well done. Philippians, right? He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Until the end, until the day of Christ Jesus, right? It's a process. Uh, so easily entangled. That's familiar. Why? Because some translations say snares. So easily snares us. It's talking about the sneaky way that the enemy tries to trap us. Snares us. Anyone ever tried to chase down a rabbit? Yes. You have? <laughs> and how did that work out for you? It didn't work out. It's almost impossible to catch a rabbit with your hand. But you can snare one pretty easily. All you got to do is look for the pattern of their behavior. The little trails they've worn into the forest, right? The little ruts they've made in the ground. The enemy waits and he watches to find the best places to snare you. 
ways that he can whisper his lies and cause you to retreat back to those dark places. And what does he use as a snare? Well, Hebrews 12 tells us, let us lay aside every encumbrance. There's that word encumbrance. That's a familiar word too, right? The difference is in that one and in Galatians 5, Galatians 5, it means to have within, to hold in, can even mean a grudge. So we know it's, the snare is about something on the inside, right? But what? In Hebrews 12, the word encumbrance means to bend. Let that sink in, to bend. Did you know that we can be bent certain ways? Anybody ever heard that? Oh, don't worry about old Billy Bob. He's just bent that way. That's just the way he is. You know, old Billy, he's just bent that way. Don't pay attention. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever heard that? Maybe the young people know this. Old people know that. We know a lot of bent people, right? No, they're just bent that way. Where do those bends come from? They come from nature and they come from nurture. When I say nature, I, I obviously mean our sin nature, but also the things in our, like in our lineage, our spiritual and physiological lineage. Think about addiction. Addiction can run in a family. That's a spiritual lineage as well as it is a physiological lineage. There are a lot of alcoholics in, uh, in my lineage, a lot of addicts. And so uh, I've never done drugs. And I've always tried to be real careful when it comes to alcohol because I know that there could be a bend towards that addiction. Do you understand? Are you picking up what I'm laying down? When I say nature, I'm talking about what we've been modeled, what we've been modeled in life, how we were raised, even things that we've picked up along the way. Think about it. Think of our life when we were born, though we were born with a sin nature, we were born innocent, right? I mean, I, when I was, when I came out of the mother's womb, I didn't know all the stuff I know now. So we were straight as a board, really. But stuff happens. We experience things. Negative things. We hear things. We learn things. And depending upon the, the significance of those things and how they affect us and how often those negative things, every time they hit us, they bend us. And some people may be bent like that. Some people may be bent like that. Some people are completely closed off. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, God says, You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord, am your God. I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me. And keep my commands. Okay, so notice that. Iniquities can be passed down as part of our lineage. They just can. Spiritual, physiological, they can be passed down. Those bends in our family can be passed down. It's interesting because iniquity here, when you take it all the way back to its core meaning, means to bend. 
It can mean to twist, to distort, to pervert. It's all the same thing, to bend. You know, the first half of my life, I struggled with things in my life that my parents and my grandparents never dealt with. They struggled with it too. They never dealt with it. I don't want my kids to struggle with those things. I don't want my grandkids to struggle with those same things. And so I submit to the Holy Spirit every chance I can. I ask for help because I know that nature and nurture work together to form their personalities and their tendencies. I have learned that Satan will use our personalities and our tendencies to snare us. Are you hearing me this morning? Let me say that again. Satan will use our personalities and our tendencies to snare us. I'm a type A personality. Okay? I'm a perfectionist. I'm a number one on that thingamabob. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about. Enneagram. Okay? I'm a number one. Number ones are described as the reformer. They just want to reform everything they see. They see flaws. They see stuff. And they want to reform. They want to change it. They want to fix everything. That's me. Too many times, my personality has led me to anxiety. Scripture says, don't be anxious for anything. Do you see how the enemy knows that familiar trail in my life? He knows exactly where he can snare me. Paul says, stand firm. Don't be encumbered once more by that yoke of slavery. Let me show you something else about that word encumbrance there in Hebrews 12. It means to bend, but it also can mean ache. As in pain. The most common snare that the enemy uses to rob us of our joy is our pain. The way we've been hurt. Things that were said things that were done, things that have disappointed us in life, some way, someone has failed us. Everyone's experienced pain. Is there anyone here that has not experienced pain? If so, I'd like to get to know you. We've all experienced pain, but most of us don't realize that our pain can produce patterns of belief and behavior that affect the way that we receive information and then react to situations. I'm going to say that again. It's on the screen. You got to hear it. Pain can produce patterns of belief and behavior that affect the way that we receive information and react to situations. And again, these patterns or what scripture refers to as iniquities. If you're like me, you're watching the world and you're wondering what the heck is happening, right? Like people are losing their ever loving mind. It's crazy, even Christians. The way that they are receiving information, 
reacting to situations, changing their beliefs, adopting new behaviors that hardly resemble love. Y'all seeing what I'm seeing? Do you see what I see? Matthew 24 is, is one of the biggest uh, end times chapters in scripture. Matthew 24. And coincidentally, Jesus is the one talking lots of red letters. You know what I'm saying? In verse 12, he says, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Whoa, did you hear that? Because iniquity will abound. What does that mean? It means people aren't dealing with their pain. That's what it means. Christ wants to set people free from their sin, salvation. Christ also wants to set people free from the power of iniquity. Sanctification. Jesus was pierced through for our transgressions. Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising for our, for, um, our well-being fell upon him and by his scourging. We can be made whole. We can be made whole. But Satan will steal your pie if you don't deal with your pain. He will steal your pie. I remember an episode from Little House on the Prairie. I like Little House on the Prairie. I can't remember if it was Carolyn Ingalls or one of the other ladies in the show. She was making pies and putting them up in the window to let them breathe, I guess. I'm like, that wasn't a smart woman. If I was anywhere near that, that, that pie be gone. But anyway, that was part of the storyline is that somebody was coming and snatching her pie. That's what the enemy does. He comes to steal the pie. If he can only get a sliver, if he can only get one-eighth of that pie or one-sixteenth, hey, whatever works. Whatever works. If I can steal even a sliver of their joy, kill their hope, I can destroy their desire to even pursue God. You hear what I'm saying? So we've got to rise up on the inside. That's the title of this sermon. So I'm going to give you a few things real quick. First of all, Paul talks about this. 2 Corinthians 4, he says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. We don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, yet our inward self is being renewed day by day. We're being sanctified, looking more and more and more like Jesus. I believe it's in... Um, 1 Corinthians 3 or 2 Corinthians 3, it says, we who with unveiled faces all reflect God's glory and we're being transformed from glory to glory, meaning it's a continual work more and more. Amen? Yes. Ephesians three sixteen says, God will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. That means that Satan may set his snares. But we just remember Isaiah 54. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Amen. Amen. Yes. And we will refute every tongue that accuses us. So let me just say this. I'm going to say, I've said it a few different times. Let me, let me say it this way. And then I want to give you a few things. 
Freedom is a lifelong journey. I'm just going to say it that way. Let that encourage someone because someone is very frustrated that they're changing slowly or if not at all. You're changing. But there are ways that you can change faster. But either way, it's still a lifelong journey. Let me give you a few things that will help. Number one, boast in his blood. Boast in his blood. Remember Galatians 6. Paul says, as for me, I never boast except in the cross. Earlier we read that it was the precious blood of Jesus that redeemed us, right? That certificate that was nailed to the cross, the debt that's been paid, the price that had to be paid was Jesus' blood. And so every day I thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross and shed your blood. Because of that, I'm able to have a transformed life. Boast in his blood. Number two, unpack your pain. Unpack your pain. Like take the time and effort to address the pain in your life. When you do that, there's less likely chance the enemy's going to be messing with your pie. Unpack your pain. James chapter 5 verse 16 says that if you will confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, that you will be made whole. You will be healed. Unpack your pain. We did a little of that this morning. Now, maybe we didn't know the pain or the struggle that was going on that we were praying for, but we were helping offload, weren't we? Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes it takes more than this. Sometimes you got to go see a counselor. Did you know that that's okay? I have gone to a counselor multiple times. Why? Because I had pain. And the enemy was robbing my pie. Stealing my joy, killing my hope. It's okay. Seek out a counselor. It's 100% okay. They can help. And if you need help with any form of unpacking your pain, let us know. We have resources available. We can help you. Okay? Number three, reject every lie. Every lie, reject it. Okay? Again, Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You may not think of the enemy's snares as a weapon, but for him, they are. He's using a snare to hurt us, okay? So they're a weapon. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. A lot of people don't know what refute means, so I say reject. Reject the lie. The enemy comes with his lies. Reject them. I was telling someone recently, uh, Scripture says to take every thought captive, and then another place says cast them down. This guy's a dancer, and I said, you can make it a dance move. Take it captive, cast it down. Take it captive, cast it down. And he was like, I like that. So if you ever see anybody around the church going, it's not a Michael Jackson impersonation, okay? He is (laughs) fighting for freedom. (laughs) Number four, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Here's the deal. You're going to begin walking in freedom. And there's going to be things that you will be freed from. The enemy's always willing to bind you up in new areas. So you got to guard your heart. Guard your heart. People still hurt us. I can be free from this pain. Forgive that person. New person comes along. New hurt. New pain. Guard your heart. Walk in forgiveness or you will be brought back under that yoke of slavery. Amen. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your Life. Say amen. Amen. Number five. This is the last one. Stand your 
ground. This seems obvious, may even sound like guard your heart, but it's a little different. Because look what it says later in Ephesians. Earlier we read that um, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. But he goes on and he says, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, and it will, how many of you know, it's coming, he never stops. I think it's Zechariah 4 for sure. And then in Revelation, it's either 12 or 20. It talks about how um, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And he stands before God, stands at our right hand in the presence of God, accusing us day and night. It's just like there's always this yapping day and night. When the day of evil comes, and it will, you will be able to stand your ground. Look what it says. Having done everything to stand. Are you doing everything? Are you doing everything? Jesus said, you might have to cut your eye out. If that's what keeps you from looking at those dirty things. So maybe we don't cut our eye out that's a little gross, but maybe we get rid of our cell phone. Maybe we try something different. Maybe we get an accountability partner in that area. Maybe we do something. Because the pain of not being able to see anything anytime, that's brutal. I'd rather experience that pain, though than the pain of any level of joy of my salvation being robbed from me. Having done everything, what's God telling you to do to address this area of pain or this area of sin, this sin that so easily entangles the snare that the enemy is using in your life? I want us to end this way. If you would stand with me, I want us to read Isaiah 61. And we're going to read this. And then I'm, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to be officially dismissed, okay? And after we read this together and declare it, we're going to be dismissed. If you're here and you need prayer for anything, anything, maybe something that we've talked about this morning, but anything, you need prayer, once we're dismissed, feel free to come to the front. There will be some leaders available to pray for you. Just come. And if you're a guest and, and um, you know, after you pray, you're welcome. And we'll still be back there for the cookies and stuff. So you can have prayer and cookies. But I want us to read this because it starts out by saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. Listen, Jesus Christ is anointed, was anointed, is anointed to take care of all this. He is empowered. He is anointed. He has assigned these things that we're about to declare. And you'll notice that it's about setting captives free. And I believe it starts out really talking about the, the salvation that he brings, but then I believe he moves into some sanctification areas, the deeper things, the inner man, and you're going to see it. Let's begin declaring this together. The spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to console the mourners in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and a garment of praise for a spirit of despair. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Did you, did you see it? Both areas. He sets captives free. Let me pray for you. We're dismissed. If you need prayer, you are invited to come. Guests, I hope we'll be able to see you in the cookies and coffee thing. Jesus, we thank you that these are, are truths that we don't think about enough in your word, but we're telling you this morning that we want to think about those things. We need to think about these things. We've recognized seasons where we've, we've experienced despair more than we have joy, where we have looked more like ashes than beauty. And we just don't want that anymore. And so we ask you to do what you have been anointed to do. Would you set free this prisoner? Would you proclaim this to be a year of your favor? Would you comfort those who mourn? Give a crown of beauty for those who feel burnt? Would you bring the oil of joy and anoint us over the areas that are painful? Give us a, a garment of praise that we would praise you in those moments where we are feeling despair, doubt, discouragement, disillusionment, and make us oaks of righteousness, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.